With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Alpha Tracks podcast. Casey Bartley and Drew Schneider. I'm Drew Schneider, and I'll be hosting this episode because Casey is the man with the important basketball opinions. Important, probably not, but I am here uh, nursing a sore knee, playing tug of war with the dog, and happy to talk about a college basketball season that hopefully happens. Right? Like, that's, that's we're all optimists. We're just going to keep on pretending like all this is going to happen until it doesn't. I mean, we've got to produce content, so. That's right. For now, we're going to project into a season. Yeah, and if we have to, we'll just project into next season. We'll just keep it going. All right, so we're trying to find these. Uh, we're going to try to keep these short, uh, so let's get straight into it. Now that the dust has settled on who is and isn't staying in the NBA draft, uh, can you give me a couple quick reactions to the Big Ten rosters for the 2021 season? Uh, which team was hurt the most uh, by a player staying in the draft? All right, so I, I feel like I, lo- I, I look at this a little different than a lot of people because, you know, in theory it should be whoever loses the best player, which is probably – Michigan State or Ohio State with Xavier Tillman and Caleb Wesson leaving. But the school that's hurt the most is by far Minnesota because Daniel Oturo, Oturu was pretty much their everything. There was, he was the do-everything big man inside, dominant, gave everyone trouble, and that team wasn't very good with him. So with him leaving, there is very little hope for that program next year of taking another step forward. You hate to see it happen to a <laughs> really do. Um, a lot of snowing right. will be happening. Yeah, he looks like such an outstanding uh, young man. So, which team? Which team came out ahead? So we, we've got you know Mich- Minnesota as the uh, loser of the uh, player uh, leaving lottery. Uh, which team do you think uh, actually got better? Uh, I, I think you have to put an asterisk next to Iowa. Obviously, Big Ten Player of the Year Luca Garza coming back, but I don't know if he was ever really in jeopardy of leaving. As good as he was last year, which was great, he was one of the best players in the conference in the country. I don't think he was ever really a big NBA prospect. Uh, so the two guys you have to look at is Illinois getting Io back and Kofi, who, as a one-two punch, both potential lottery picks for them both to come back. Bruno here agrees for mm-hmm. both of those guys to come back for Illinois. That is just a major boon. And that team is set up to dominate in a way. Not many teams in the country can uh, best Illinois teams since uh, Darren Williams. Sure. I mean, best Illinois team since I have basketball memories pretty much. Oh, but you're thinking better than the Darren Williams team. I was pretty young. Ah, that's true. That's true. I forget. With most of the Big Ten roster set, Casey, uh, let's go ahead and break this conference down into three tiers here uh, for the next year. So we're going to get the first tier is the fighting for the conference championship tier. What what teams do you have in that sort of uh, level of uh, competition? So I think you have the two schools that are always there, Michigan and Michigan State. They both 
you know, got quite a bit of talent coming back. They always have talented kids coming in. They're always going to challenge if they're playing. Uh, I think you have to throw Maryland in there, even though it's Maryland, and you always expect them to trip up just enough, even though they did tie for the conference last year. Um, a conference going with six losses helps out. but uh, And the other team, I think, is Illinois. Uh, they just bring back a lot of talent, a team that played really hard. They have a lot of length and athleticism, and Io and Kofi are two of the biggest mismatches in the conference, and they can, on every every game, game-to-day game basis, those two can win a game on their own. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Underwood's really sort of turned that around because it was a rough start for him at Illinois. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, this is finally sort of realizing maybe what his actual potential is as an Illinois co- coach. There's no reason an Illinois college should not have talent. Right. They are right in the middle of pretty much where basketball is born, bred, and cultivated. So good for him. It sucks for us, but it is a program to reckon with now. And it's kind of nice to have them back on the scene, really. I think they've fallen off for uh, so long. It's sort of hard hard to remember that, you know, Purdue-Illinois used to be a huge game. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, recently it's just been one of those where like, oh, I can't believe we lost to Illinois. <laughs> uh, so, all right, so we got we got that top four. And then uh, let's go for the next sort of rung on the ladder is just fighting, fighting for an NCAA berth. What teams do you think in the Big Ten will be sort of in the mix for an NCAA berth, assuming there's an NCAA tournament and there's 64 teams? Yeah. I know you're going to – the next question is obviously going to be the ones that aren't going to be in it. And I think that's the easiest way to answer this question. Gotcha. Uh, the the teams that aren't going to challenge for it are Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, and you could talk me either way into Penn State. I like Penn State's guards. I think they, I think they have enough, even losing Stevens and Watkins, that they're going to be able to challenge. Um, so let's run through a couple of those teams real quick. I was never going to win in the Big Ten. Uh, not while... While Fran, 25 faces of angry, is there. You have to play defense or you're not winning in the Big Ten. There's too much talent. There's too much inside play. Uh, there's too many teams with just really good offensive systems. Uh, we saw what a very bad offensive team uh, like Purdue, what they did to Iowa this year. You can't consistently put out those kind of efforts on a defensive end and challenge in this conference. Um, they uh, were the 97th ranked defense, according to Ken Palm, and they are the only ones besides Northwestern and Nebraska that weren't in the top 40. Uh, looks like top 45 in defenses in the in the country, and you're just not going to win. They were lucky to win as many games as they did. They're not going to challenge that way. Nothing they brought in or comes back. Luca Garza is great, but he does not offer that much on the defensive end. Uh, They really don't have a guy on the defensive end that you look at that's just a problem. Some of the other teams are like, you know, Ohio State. uh, At at this point, it's hard to not think of Chris Holtman as just one of the best college coaches in the country. He had a rough little stretch there during the start of a conference play last year, but got his team rolling towards the end. They're going to bring in more talent. Uh, He's finally getting his guys into the program. Indiana, honestly, I almost put them in the not contending, uh, but that kind of just seems petty because it's the Hoosiers. I feel like that's just an emotional pick there. I don't even, not even emotional because I don't like I, I don't think about Indiana basketball that much because they're bad, 
and they're always disappointing. Like you can't the the same way Iowa can't win without a defense. You're not gonna win in college basketball anymore if you can't shoot. And when's the last time Indiana had a good shooting team? Um, Jordan Holes maybe. Is yeah. that, is that the last? It's so been... uh, you don't think the uh, sort of uh, infl- inf- fusion of talent with uh, Lander coming in, the number one player in uh, Indiana last high school ball last year? I uh, mean, how did Ro- how did Roman Langford work for him? Yeah, they Roman. Up, they went Ro- a bunch of games. They did not. They did not. I don't. I think. I think. I think this Indiana team probably has more talent around it. I, I do like Jackson Davis, and uh, I think Franklin's going to be good for them uh, this I mean, they year. They lost a little bit of their depth. They had two guys transfer out. I. I. I've seen nothing. I've seen nothing from Archie Miller that suggests he's a change of program coach. That team last year was pretty young. They should have gotten better as the year went along. And that's just not what happened at all. They were 11-1 and uh, before they lost to Arkansas. And then as soon as they got to the Big Ten, had a couple wins early, soft schedule, had the Northwestern-Nebraska wins to uh, kind of soften their start. But towards the end there, I mean, they lost a bunch of games. I don't – I just don't believe in the program. I don't, I don't believe in what they're doing offensively and the players they're getting – it seems like they they're racking up a whole bunch of recruiting stars and rankings, but high school rankings don't matter in college basketball. Past the couple absolute gems, they're just not that good at ranking high school players. And it's more important to have a system and get guys that fit that system. And I don't think Indiana has a system. They don't know what they are. They don't know what they want to be. Um, and they don't have – there's so many teams in the Big Ten that just know what they want to be, know what they do well. Their coaches know the guys they need to get, and they go out and do it. And it's a tried and true method for you know five or six programs, and Indiana is just not that. All right. Well, that's uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a hot take there, Casey. So uh, I'm sure we'll get a uh, you know some good uh, re- uh, feedback on that one. Um, <laughs> and so. <laughs> So we got Indiana as a borderline, maybe trying to make the tournament, maybe just yeah, trying to stay above water. Irrelevant. Uh, you know, they'll be irrelevant. They might make the tournament, but they'll be irrelevant because that's what they are in college basketball anymore. Oh, red meat. <laughs> just throwing out red meat to the, to the base here. Uh, any other teams you want to sort of touch on? I think we went I mean, most of them there. Yeah, we're a Purdue blog, so we can talk about Purdue season a little bit here. Um, All right. Well, that was, that was my next my next sort of right. question. Um, so we can sort of go into that. Uh, let's get to the, sort of the Purdue-centered part then. Um, what do you think uh, this team's strength is going to be this year? Where do you see them being the strongest? That's probably the hardest question to answer about the team next year because last year's team really lacked any strength. They were okay at a lot of things. Um, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, defense wasn't great. Not a whole bunch to hang our hats on. I, I, I think next year we're going to shoot the ball really well. I think we're bringing in some guys that are really smart, really know how to uh, move the ball. And there's there's two components to shooting well as a team. First one is you have to have shooters. You just do. Um, whether you manuf- manufacture them and turn them into shooters like Ray Eifert or you come in slinging like Ryan Klein. Uh, I think this team next year is going to be kind of a, a manifestation of a little bit of both of that. 
But the second component of shooting well is getting good shots. And the biggest part of that is being smart, passing the ball well. Um, we've already seen, uh, we've seen enough evidence that Coach Painter knows how to create an offensive system that works. Uh, we were kind of stuck in between a different a bunch of different philosophies last year. A lot of that is we didn't have many strengths to play to. This year coming in, Ivy is going to give us a on the ball uh, playmaker shot shot maker that we didn't have last year. Ethan Morton is an incredibly good passer, pretty good shooter, um, and then we got Brandon Newman redshirting who has I was showing you video of this before we started podcasting of some of his high school tape just has a beautiful quick jump shot and we're going to throw that in with some Isaiah Thomas and Sasha Stefanovic um, Aaron Wheeler who who showed himself freshman year as a capable shooter last year 21 and 97 from three so hard to put a whole bunch of stock into that but we're losing you know a guard that couldn't shoot at all and pretty much everyone we're adding in, Gillis, Morton, Ivy, Newman, they're all uh, B-minus to A-minus shooters. And I think we're really going to see an offense that opens up again because we can threaten it from everywhere on the outside. All right. Now, I guess that was sort of my question. I feel like last year last year we sort of about midway through the season we went sort of, uh, all right, guys, let's just uh, put Trey in the post and uh... – see what he can do if, if he can drag us to the finish line. I, I will say that I felt like at the end of the year, we, uh, Hunter really started to sort of step up in the scoring department. Uh, and I feel like Matt put the ball in his hands a lot there towards the end of the game. So I'm interested to see if that sort of confidence that may have gained from that last year carries over to this year. Uh, Cause we will definitely need him to sort of, I think run the show uh, at least to start the season uh, while our freshmen get acclimated um, so we touched on the strengths. Where, where are we going to struggle? Where, where are we just going to pull our hair out and be like, oh, come on, guys? I I mean, we still don't – we don't know what Ivy's going to be entirely. Uh, he's pretty much the one person that can unlock the offense off the dribble. Uh, I think we are going to struggle at times to have a guy that can break down a defense, get some shots, some easy baskets, draw fouls. Um, besides Trevion Williams, I don't know who gets to the line consistently. Um, it's a lot easier to play when you can count on getting 20 free throws a game. And uh, that's not something we could we could depend on last year. Uh, so uh, last year we were what, 318th at drawing free throws. 15.7% of our points went from free throws. Like, that's not good. I mean, that really sort of speaks to our lack of anybody that can drive the ball. Mm-hmm. And get to, get to the rim yeah. and just force the force the action. I know like we had a bunch of guys that wanted to catch and shoot the ball, and uh, you know you don't get fouled shooting catch and shoot jump shots. Yeah, I mean I've said this to you. I've said this to a lot of people. Sasha Stefanovic was our best our best guard at getting to the rim last year. And it wasn't because he was good at it. It's just he was the one person that made up his mind and just said I'm going. Right, he was willing at least. Right, to willing put his head down. Getting to the rim's half mindset and, you know, half skill towards it. Uh, I think Ivy's going to help. Uh, we're going to – we should be we should be pretty fast and run and gun next year. Um, the strangest conundrum to No Gel Eastern's game is 
of all his limitations on offense, the one thing he should have been awesome at was fast break offense because he's built like a gazelle right. and in theory grabs rebounds and should be able to take off. But he didn't take off. Like he would get the ball and then the fast break would die because he would slowly bring it up. Is some now, of that on Coach Painter? Probably. Yeah. But at the same time, he's, if you're not going to get to the free throw line, you better get fast break points. And in theory, next year, we're playing a lot of guys that are pretty fast, that can handle the ball, that can move around, they're good pathers, passers. Ethan Morton, I'll say this for sure, has maybe the biggest wealth of outlet passing highlights from high school on tape that I've ever seen of a kid. Just, it's full court, one hand, two hand outlet passes every other play. And that outlet pass can really make a big difference in a game. That's somewhere difference between, you know, six to 12 easy points that you don't get otherwise if you set up in a half-court offense every possession. So you think we'll be back to the uh, run-and-gun uh, offense of uh, two years ago next year? I'll, I'll be excited to see that because <laughs> I did not like no, sir. I did not like last year at all, <laughs> from any any standpoint. That's, <laughs> that's a fair. That is a fair and accurate uh, feeling towards it. I don't. I don't think my liver can hold up to another slog Purdue team in a yeah. pandemic. I just don't think it's too <laughs> stressful for me. <laughs> I, I need. I need this team to be good, Casey. Yeah. We. <laughs> yeah. We. Uh... We need to hopefully have something for this COVID by then and then have a team that will run the fast break. That's what I need. I need COVID vaccine and a fast yeah. break. <laughs> I feel like my life would be so much better. That would be great. I, I like that positivity out there, putting that out into the into the air, <laughs> seeing if it'll, uh, you know, think it, think it into being. Um, all right, man. Well, hey, I think we're going to just keep this one short and try to do these more often uh, so, uh, you know, people don't just hang up on us midway through and miss all our funny stuff here at the end. Um, so, uh, anyways. Um, you guys, oh, hold on, hold on. You're not oh, getting out of here. You're not getting out of here. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to slide You're not out the getting out of here until your best fast food sandwich argument, which you have the most baffling take I've ever heard. It's absurd. Go ahead. Tell the people what you think the number one fast food burger is. It's not what I think the number one fast food oh, burger is. Is what the number one, and that would be the Whopper from Burger King. Right now, they are on sale. You can get two for five bucks, and uh, and I, I think they're pretty good. Now, I don't like, I eat fast food hamburgers like once every three months, maybe. Uh, so, it's it, so unqualified. Yeah, so it's, it's not like I'm qualified to give this garbage take. Yeah, so it's not like I'm I'm pounding down the hamburgers here. What but, was the uh, last the last burger you got that wasn't a Burger King Whopper, or have you uh, only had Whoppers? Is this like going back from like the '90s and this is all you've ever had? It's the know, only way this take makes sense. No, I you know I like Wendy's. I'll eat a double bacon cheeseburger. Uh, from Wendy's, and uh, you know they're all right. I, I, I like them. I feel like I'm, I may not have a great Wendy's next close to me because I've never been super impressed with their uh, double bacon. I think Dairy Queen's underrated. I, I do get a burger from there every now and then because that's like two minutes from my house. So let uh, me ask you: when when you go for a burger, is the main thing that you want is stale bun, 
to mayo ratio being like four to one to burger. See what I'm looking for is a nice flame grill. I like the. I feel like the. It's flame not grill flame grilled. It tastes like dirty grill it. because they have it on that dumb broiler. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it there's better than. There's barely. Shit. There's no meat there. It's just this single wimpy patty. I think you're eating Whopper Juniors then, bro? Because there's plenty oh of meat God. on my Whopper, man. That's there, uh, no. And they got some good toppings, and uh, yeah, it's I've, lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise. How hard is that? Lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard—they're pretty good. I feel like they're usually pretty crispy, and uh, like I said, the price is right. What I hate is going to a fast food restaurant and pulling around and being like, "That'll be seventeen dollars." I'm like, "What the hell?" All right, but they're good because they use actual meat. Like the Five Guys Whopper, is I have much the better. Impossible Whopper as well, and it is not bad either. And that is not even actual meat. It just sort of just tastes like the grill, but it's not bad. Uh, and uh, I will say this right now for all of my uh, boiler makers out there in Texas, the Whataburger is trash. Do not like it. Do not like it. Live next to one for seven years. And uh, I, I always had that. Wait, I'm just I just spent seventeen dollars on a fast food hamburger, French fries, and a drink, uh, and this tastes like a salt lick. So. Um, you know, that's, uh, I don't like Whataburger, McDonald's, is, no, Wendy's, I don't like Wendy's. What do you like? I'm sort of, I mean, it's not like we're comparing. Here's the baffling like, thing about the Whopper. It's literally like almost anything else above a Whopper burger. Oh my God. Almost any. Wendy's is definitely better. Five Guys is way better. I don't consider Five Shake Guys. Shake Shack I don't consider five, five Guys fast food. I, I feel like It's that. not dine-in eating. I think every time I've had Five Guys, I've sat in, sat okay, in there. Okay, just because the fact you're drunk at 3.30 after going out <sighs> drinking all night does not mean it's a dine-in establishment. I feel like I feel like Five Guys is a step above fast food hamburgers. Because I think if I were to put Five Guys... I think guys... That's, that's, that's you excusing more flavor and a more consistent burger and having to recategorize it because you want Whopper to exist in this weird... Uh, all universe that you live in apparently where that's a burger whopper is delicious um you won't convince me otherwise cookout definitely a better burger i like cookout i haven't been to way cookout. better burger I, we don't have any cookouts in kansas so I, I do like cookout i go and get i mostly get the shakes there though and the mm-hmm. weird and the weird stuff off the menus hold on hold on they do have weird stuff on the menu <laughs> their shakes are not shakes no, they're like blocks of ice cream, but yeah, then, but you're in South I, Carolina and it's 135 degrees in the summer. So okay, you it's it. not that much hotter here than like Indiana. It's 100 percent humidity in Indiana, like 90 percent of the time. Oh, in the that's, you're in the. You're I in don't want to hear about this garbage. You're in it's the upstate. You, go, go, go down to Columbia. Go down to Columbia, and you will sweat to death. I lived in Columbia for nine months. Uh, when? When? Which nine months? It's nine months. At some point, summer was involved. Did you get August in Columbia? Yes. Oh, boo. No. August is so hot. It's I hate it. It's not that bad. You guys are all just wimps with weather. No. It gets 40 degrees down here, and you all need, like, mink coats and, like, triple gloves and scarves around your neck. Mm-hmm. You don't even know it's... winter, but you guys just quiver. The thought of it. The thought of it. I'm, I'm going to go get in my sleeping bag right now and curl up and zip the top of it up. Why don't you go take a nap in a bunch of lukewarm Whopper burgers, which is how they serve them. Oh, I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> All right, wrap the show up. <laughs> like, your, like your lukewarm, disgusting Whopper burger. <laughs>
All right, well, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, this has been uh, Drew Schneider and Casey Bartley, and we are the home of the Whopper uh, at Hammer and Rails. And uh, Burger King hit me with some coupons. 